0: What's up, humans? Welcome to the Human Music Podcast. I'm Luke Rain, my co hosts are Tesco and Rip Kinney, and we are all music producers, artists, and producer coaches. This show is where we discuss all things music production and interview amazing creatives about their origins, their process, and whatever else comes up. This week is episode 119 Dream Tonic on her songwriting process. From starting composing as a six year old to being trained as a concert pianist, Dream Tonic has been deep in music her entire life she talks about her education her time as a keyboardist for a 10 piece all female Brazilian band diving into being a vocalist overcoming the fear of learning how to produce her own music finding producer dojo the feedback process for releasing her EP getting her EP remixed her songwriting process collaborating with Rip Kenny balancing being a mom and a musician why she makes music and so much more you can find her at dreamtonicmusic.com and uh and uh, follow her at Dream Tonic. The Song of the Week is her tune, Loving's Coming Down on Me. That's a collab with Ill Gates. You can find the links to that below and find it on the Song Song of the Week Spotify playlist. Links down there for that too. You can also support our sponsors while you're down there like Dojo TV. That's free producer live stream classes from the Dojo Senseis and where we recorded this. You could have been in the chat with us asking Dream Tonic questions. Uh, Tesco's Patreon, where you can get uh, some track feedback, private lessons, a- access to his project files, and much more. The weekly download, where you can learn from our or Ill Gates in his private weekly group lessons, and get access to over 250 more episodes in the archive for just 20 bucks a month. And guest practices, where you can learn from Seth Drake at the Approach Institute. He's the best engineer we know. In your first class over there is it's free. And uh, check out thehumanmusicpodcast.com so you can find all the things we do and much more. And, yeah, let's just get on into this episode.
1: Hello, people of Earth. This is Tesco with Rip Kenny and Trap Jesus. And you're listening to the uh, Human Music Podcast.
2: Woo!
0: Human music podcast. I like it. What's up, humans? Yo hey,
3: hey friends. Hey Humans. Woo.
0: Got a fly buzzing around me. <laughs> Must be that sweaty and stinky from my day oh. of working hard in the sunshine. Gosh, it's, it's hot in Seattle right now. It is hot in Ben too. Oh my god heat wave How, how's how's things up in the in the great frozen north there tesco
1: it's actually been like boiling hot lately like uncomfortably that yeah, sounds like
0: a midwest summer
1: what, <laughs> what about
0: you dream tonic
4: i'm you? in san diego and it's pretty it's pretty spicy down here right now Ooh,
0: i believe I can imagine, so- Yeah. Cow. yeah well,
4: well, thank, thank you wow. so
0: much for joining this
3: it's been uh kind of a long time coming <laughs> me and you have been working on some things under the under wraps behind mm-hmm. the scenes they're about to come out in about two and a half weeks so
0: oh it's, it's only fitting that we had you on the show
4: exactly <laughs> thanks for having me
0: yeah of course of course oh it's coming soon and so that'd be like yeah. a week and a half from when people are listening to this in the future times right oh shit yeah the album
3: <laughs> aug- the, the album comes out august 11th and uh yeah there will tell, be... tell us about it oh I uh yeah uh album it's
0: <laughs> it's a thing it we're going to have to work on this elevator pitch bro <laughs> you know
3: i just don't want to talk about myself when we have a lovely guest on this show no yeah, but you're uh, talking about uh, the album I say she's featured on that so. there are there's there's one song that we like fully collaborated on uh got like an amazing vocal from her and it's like a huge piece of the story and then another towards the end um that has some some kind of spoken word vocals from her that really kind of tie things together Mm. um and then another one with some with some samples we layered in together so yeah we've been we've been working on some stuff and you'll you'll be hearing it on the album but uh enough about me uh kristen so dream (laughs) tonic Usually Luke asks this question, so it feels a little strange for me to be doing it, but <laughs> you do great. also a little fitting. Mm-hmm. Um, on the show, we'd like to ask about your superhero origin story. So basically how you got into music, how you got to where you are today, in any order or fashion that you please.
4: Awesome. Okay. So <clears throat> I have been basically a piano player, musician since I was six. I started taking piano lessons when I was a little wee one. Mm-hmm. And um I I loved it so much that I, you know, I started composing music in my head. I was creating songs at the piano from a very young age. I didn't yet know how to read music, and so I actually invented this form of graphic notation to notate my compositions, which I actually still have like in a little scrapbook. <laughs> And it's like a combination of squares and triangles and lines and circles and like squiggles and things. And, um, see. yeah. And so That's I what
0: music notation looks like to me anyways, so. <laughs> same difference. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
4: so I always knew that I was like, you know, I, I was a composer and, uh, you know, I had a little four track thing at, at one point <clears throat> and it was super fun and, uh, I don't know. So I ended up going to a performing arts high school when I was, um, you know, a freshman in high school. And it was like full on, like go to school from eight to six every day, study piano theory or music theory, piano pedagogy, music history, music, Um, anything to do with piano and music. I got to sit with my headphones on for two hours a day during my actual school day and just play music. and so. Um, that
2: sounds incredible.
4: It was it was a really amazing time in my life to be able to go to school with a bunch of fellow artists. There were musicians and dancers and visual artists and everything like that. And we had a lot of performance opportunities. We traveled all over the country, and it was <clears throat> it was just like my my time when I just focused and just you know just practiced and played Beethoven and Chopin and Debussy and just. I, I was a classically trained pianist, so I did a lot of, you know, concerts and stuff. So fast forward um, to college, I joined a 10 piece all women's Brazilian band and I was the keyboardist, keyboardist in the band. We did the whole festival circuit. It was super fun. We got to collaborate with Bass Nectar and like open up for Michael Franti and Brett Denon and Ozo Motley. And it was, it was really fun, like yeah. playing on some big stages like that. And uh, you know, I was also getting my master's in music at the time too. So it was like doing the festivals and I was teaching music full time. And then I was also like doing the festival circuit. It was just like madness. I was working. I was probably just 70 hours a week, just doing things. And so at some point I was like, okay, I'm going to not do the band anymore. And, um, that's when I focused on like my, my master's full time and uh, I just did the school thing for a bit. And then um, then I had then I, I was a music educator for many years. I put on um, huge shows. I would orchestrate like large scale performances with um, you know high schoolers doing uh, I would take Bach and I would like orchestrate it for a 100 piece xylophone ensemble. I would uh, just do all sorts of all sorts of different styles of music and put on huge shows with uh, large, large groups of people. So that was good for like event planning and learning how to work with different people. Like kind of assessing out the situation of what does this person need, what does the group need, how can I help them? Like it was it was a fascinating endeavor is to like be a music educator. It was challenging in so many ways and so incredibly gratifying in others. Um Fast forward, I had two kids and I was like, I couldn't, I can't see kids all day and then like go be nice to my kids. I just couldn't. It's
3: <laughs> a lot. That's a it lot of energy lot. output. <clears throat> like I know all, yeah. all three of us can speak for the teaching side, at least in production. Yeah. Like it, is very rewarding and also takes a lot of energy. Like you have to be really engaged to teach.
4: It's so true. Yeah. And it's like such a creative endeavor too. It, it's just, yeah. there's so much freedom in it and you, it it, ha- it requires a high degree of emotional intelligence, I think, because mm-hmm. you have yeah. to kind of, it like,
3: really does.
4: Yeah. Yeah. You have to have all your like hackles up and yeah. senses going. And,
3: yeah. You got to be a coach and a cheerleader and, and a mm-hmm. friend Emotional support, right. um, licensed therapist, licensed totally. therapist at times, for sure.
4: Exactly, and um, yeah, yeah. I'm
3: surprised at this point in the story we have heard zero mention of you singing. Yeah, I was just gonna yeah. ask. Like, what?
4: Yeah, so singing is kind of new for me. Um, I did, I did major in music in college, and um, I attribute my ability to hold a pitch and harmonize and all that kind of stuff. We had to do this gnarly atonal sight singing for four years. And it was like the bane of everybody's existence. But I secretly kind of loved it (laughs) (laughs) because it made me have to sharpen my tonal capabilities. Like if I would see a minor six going to an augmented fourth, or whatever, like a tritone, I would have to then hear it in my head and be able to then vocalize it. So I feel like that in and of itself, like trained my ear to be able to sing.
1: What did that so, kind of look like? Was it more intervals based or like reading like sheet music and having to do it? Or like, how how do you even like begin to train? Yeah, it? right.
4: Yeah, they would, it was this little tiny book. And it was um, like, there would be, I don't know, it's just filled with sheet music on one page and, but single line sheet music. So like just a vocal line and there'd be all super random intervals, like up to major tenths even. Mm. And so you'd have to just sing, sing it. Um, But it was, yeah, it was really challenging, but it was, it was hardcore like training. I I loved it.
1: Yeah, sounds Um, pretty amazing.
4: Yeah. So I didn't really sing. in college or anything like that. And then I sung, I sung a ton. Like when I was teaching, I sung all the time, but uh, yeah. So then I I realized, you know, I have all this music in my head and I'm like kind of getting a little bit antsy because I've been, as I mentioned, since I was a wee one, I had stuff coming in my head all the time, but I was super intimidated by the technology of it. And um, I just, yeah, I was, I was kind of frustrated. So I stopped. I decided to stop teaching and I was just going to kind of have a few of my private students going and stuff like that and take a break. Right. And this is right before COVID. <clears throat> and so I'm like, OK, my kids are finally going to school. They're old enough to, you know, they're just entering like preschool and I'm like, yes, I get some time. And um, and then I decided to just focus on them music production and I'm like, it's going to be harder for me than some, Um, but I do have music theory. I have a huge base of like songwriting and musical knowledge that I feel is on my side and the technology aspect. I feel like I'm just going to have to work harder at, at it than a lot of people, but that's okay. So I just dove in, I did like LinkedIn learning courses on Ableton and then I finally came across the dojo. And I joined the dojo. And it was funny because back in the time I was doing the festival circuit, I like Ill Gates was always playing on some stage at one of the festivals, although we had never officially met. I just like knew of him. So it was kind of a full circle moment for me where I was like, okay, this is a sign. And it was actually Trap Jesus set I think you played Fuck
0: 2020.
4: (laughs) Do you remember that? Was that?
0: Man. Was that yours?
4: Remember there was a song that you played on the New Year's Eve like dojo live set?
0: Man, I actually wasn't even on that. So it must have been somebody else. I was actually watching watching that.
4: It was pre-recorded or something. Because I totally remember your hair.
3: (laughs) 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 Maybe it was a different one. Okay.
4: Okay. Anyways, um, yeah, so it was a full circle moment for me. So then that's, I joined the dojo last January 2021.
2: Yeah.
1: After seeing the live stream or.
4: After seeing the live stream and, uh, yeah, and I just kind of did it and, um, yeah, it was, it was super good decision and I was just, so.
3: Yeah. I think that, I think you're very right about having the musical chops first is a Mm -hmm. huge leg up because I think most people and I'm not speaking for everyone, but I think most people love electronic music. They get into production, maybe have DJed a little bit and they, they love music, but they don't have a deep understanding of its inner workings. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, uh, and this was pretty, pretty true for myself as well. Like a lot of time was spent learning how to make music at all. And then a lot of time was spent at the same time trying to figure out like, how the hell this music thing works like I, like I, I I could hear resolutions and, and things in my head, like I could hear how I wanted it to go mm-hmm. sometimes. But right. it was a whole nother can of worms to actually learn how to be proficient at writing music. And if you can sit down at the piano, and play something amazing, like, that's more than half the battle to write a good song. Like if you can already write a good song, sans computer, like
2: mm-hmm. you
3: you can struggle through the computer bit and get some good stuff in there. Right. So right, right. yeah, I definitely think that it, it gives you not only a, a leg up on, on people that are just starting, but also like <clears throat> kind of a different take on it than I think mm-hmm. most people will have. Right. Like,
4: mm-hmm.
3: you know, which is good. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Totally. I think at the end of the day, it's like if you can sit down at the keyboard and play something, it's it's going to sound even doper once you produce it out. Yeah. But that's like it has to be a good song, you know, to start out.
0: Yeah. And the, the vocals and the keyboard part are the song part, like the chord progression,
2: mm-hmm. the
0: rhythm, the melody, the lyrics like. You know, I'm loving how a lot of uh, a lot of like EDM songs these days are also coming out with like the acoustic version. That's like mm-hmm. super stripped down, and you know, it's like the producer, you know, the producer parts are kind of like way pulled back. It's beautiful, getting to, like hear just like the pure song. Like um, if y'all know that that hit, "Drive." Mm-hmm. When you find a love that's right, you can drive all night. That's my jam. And then I heard the acoustic <laughs> version. And I think I might even like it. At least as much as the original. So like it's really cool getting that that perspective, you coming from that composition background and Mm -hmm. like learning, leaning into the the production. And it's also been really cool seeing the collaborations you've been doing with with other producers and the remixes and things. I'd love to hear about your experience with that.
4: Yeah, that's been I'm honestly Feel like I've kind of fell into a gold mine when I popped into the dojo
2: mm-hmm. you know
4: so um, so yeah I, I met with Dylan in a one-on-one like last January he heard my my uh, EP that I had just kind of self-produced he's like let's put this out um, and then let's run a remix competition so I sent all the stems to the dojo and then we got a bunch of great submissions and we chose like you know we chose 5 submissions for the remix EP that just came out my essence EP dropped in June and then my and then the essence EP remixed dropped 2 weeks later in mid June so all those tracks are on there um, and it was it was really fun because i i like to be pretty hands on with my collaborations um, i have very specific visions and ideas. And I think I'm good at like doing a compliment sandwich where you say what you like and then you say what you like. You're you're curious about changing this or that. And, you know, it's all about, you know, um, collaboration. Right. So you want the other person to to feel it, too. You don't want to just like thrust your opinion. Kind of want to delicately inquire. Um, and so there was a lot of back and forth. Like once we chose the five, there were a lot of swapping sessions back and forth, and um, you know, getting on Zooms together and producing in real time and adjusting the automation together in real time. And um, so yeah, I, it was very hands on. It wasn't like here's the stems and like do it and then it's done. It was like mini mini swaps back and forth.
0: Yeah, I've uh, I had the the pleasure of being a part of a Dojo remix EP as well. My my rapper friend Sam Shoemaker and I submitted a track to get remixed, and uh, and got Rip Kenny and uh, and three other awesome Dojo members to. to I just draw got, a remix got all those of it.
4: I just got all those tracks signed to a dope sync agency. By the way,
0: hey, congrats! Amazing. Mm-hmm. Wow. So
4: what was the remix track like for you, um, the, the Similar. process? It was
0: really, it was like, I mean, it was like from the time we got the first, uh, the first remixes back, like the first drafts of them and chose the ones that we liked the best. It was mm-hmm. like a full <laughs> year before they dropped.
4: Oh yeah. And that was yeah. like,
0: like eight months of back and forths, you know, not like all the time, of course, but it was definitely that, uh that that give and take of like all right so here's our notes here's dylan's notes give the mm-hmm. remixer some time to to work them and then bring them back you yeah. know yeah it, it was it was a process but wow you know the teamwork really made the dream work because the the, the outcome was just four incredible tunes
4: that's the yeah. that's the dope thing about collapse is like it, it's better than it would have been on its own i think because, yeah, totally. you know, because each you, person brings their own skill set.
1: Do you feel like you had a part of that when you were more in like the band kind of environment? And like, uh, you know, do you, do you feel like you ever miss part of that? Like having been in a band environment? I feel like collabs are kind of the producer way of doing that.
4: Oh, totally. Yeah, I do miss being I do miss playing out live um, and like the energy, the, the crowd and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Um, so I do miss that aspect of the band, um, but yeah, being in a band, it was it was absolutely a collaborative effort too, because we we're always you know making songs together. So. And
3: I can imagine a ten-piece band is a smorgasbord <laughs> of feedback and comments, and it's probably pretty tough with ten people to get a happy medium. I mean, Dude, sometimes it's- it can be tough with two.
4: Dude, and there was like all girls, and like everybody basically except for me like slept with everybody else so it was like i was just there to play music you know and like i just was there my twice a week to do my stuff and everybody else was coming with all this package yeah,
3: <laughs> so much baggage oh my god
0: wow that, that sounds like a whole can of worms it seems was, like yeah. you, you were there to we play music political... everybody else is there to play in general
2: yeah
3: (laughs) you needed a political science major to do the diplomacy for that baggage oh totally that's that's crazy (laughs) um so speaking of your ep so i know for tesco and i at least it was nearly a year from like sending you know what we thought was like these are the four sickest to like when you actually released it yeah after I know for,
1: scrapping like three eps worth
3: dude literally <laughs> literally it took 12 songs to get the four yeah. for the ep that got released yeah. um so i'd love to hear because i know a lot of people in the dojo for sure and you know many others are would be interested to hear about like the inner workings of the process for for releasing an ep so what was it what was it like start <laughs> to finish um and how did it go
4: Yeah. So the beginning uh, portion of it was I just met one on one with Dylan and we decided like these are going to be the five songs for the EP and for the remix EP. So we started there and then he um, I, I would submit songs all the time for Feedback Friday to whenever I saw Dylan was up on a thing, I would submit it to him and so i would take notes and i tried to like rotate all my songs through so i was able to get feedback specifically from dylan for each of the songs so that's how i started getting feedback from him personally is just through feedback fridays um and then uh i compiled all my notes after i had all five tracks and notes for all five tracks done um I just, you know, just made my Trello board and like went through the list. And, um, I cut, I would, I would send Dylan some, some version, you know, newer versions and sometimes it'd be a while until I got feedback again. So I was kind of like, not sure if it was decent or what. So, um, and then I ended up working a lot with Lucy and Francis um, to address some of the issues that I didn't know how to address technically that were being called upon, um, to, to change from Dylan. And so that was a really fun process is to have him go in on the, on the EP and get his feedback and expertise as well. That was like super fun. And then, um, and then after we buttoned everything up, we sent it to Dylan and it was like, it was due on, I think it I'm like, you know, I was asked to have everything due on February 1st or something like that. And so I got it in on February 1st and then, and then the feedback started coming in. And so the feedback was like a lot. <laughs> you know what it is.
3: I don't think any <laughs> single person that's released an EP would say the feedback process start to finish was not a lot, much less the final like every round.
1: Didn't no, Uncle was, just crank his out.
4: It was yeah, it like was
1: first try or something.
4: Yeah, right. <laughs> so but
1: us normal people.
4: <laughs> I know. Yeah, so it turns out like I got the feedback um and I got I got COVID like right when my feedback came in and Naturally. I knew that I had to like turn it around in five days or something. Crazy. I I, I did not, I could not move. Like, I was out for like two days. I could not do anything. So I'm like, okay, I'm three days feeling somewhat decent. So we just busted it out and um, got what we could to him. And then Dylan ended up at the final like 24 hours before it was due, like, he ended up going in. And he completely helped out with, like, the drums on this one track. Loving's coming down on me. We ended mm-hmm. up uh, doing it as a co-release, um, it's which was jam. awesome. Yeah. And so, yeah, it was. It has, like, a little touch of Dylan in there. And um, it was a really fun process. Dylan mastered the whole EP, and then CryptoChronica mastered the remix EP. Um, awesome. Yeah, I'm just like so proud of us all that we did it. You know, it's yeah, a lot. That's,
3: that's a lot of hands touching a project that you know yeah. it's your baby, and yeah. to be really satisfied with that final product, mm-hmm. that's that's no small feat for for that many people to come together and make something happen like that. Yeah. Uh, so, did you have to scrap any tracks, or were those five like you just?
4: They were. Ska, they just you wear- prodigy.
3: No. <laughs> i don't think anyone else has not had to scrap at least a track
4: really yeah, yeah. at least i mean or, they yeah. changed like the form of one in particular changed quite a bit um with the order of the verses and the choruses and the interludes and all that but um in general yeah everything was wow. kind of done so that's awesome yeah it was super fun it was just fun for me to see my vision, I, I felt like the collaboration just made it better, you know, because it wasn't like we we're changing the parts or anything like the baseline was the baseline. The chords were the chords, the drums were the drums. It was just, we were swapping out samples and like, yeah. you know, making it sound better. So it cool. was, that was the part that I really appreciated help with. Yeah. So,
3: so, um, Lucian Francis, I, you know, I've, I've seen his name floating around with yours quite a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, How did you link up with him and what's it like working with him? Um, Is he like been producing for a while or kind of what's that, what's that dynamic like and how does that work for you?
4: Yeah. um, He submitted a remix um, for the EP and that's how I met him initially is he did a remix and I loved it. (laughs) And so we just kind of started working together We went in on a cipher together, um, the Halloween cipher and then the Christmas cipher, and we ended up just doing full-on releases for those. And that was really fun. Um, and yeah, we just would swap sessions back and forth a bunch and, um, get, you know, hop on zoom once a week or something and kind of produce out the other stuff, you know, all the fun stuff. I love, I love producing on zoom. It's so fun. It's like tweaking the automations and playing, swapping samples. It's just so fun. And so yeah, I've actually got this, I've been working with memory code like a ton lately.
0: Sure.
4: Yeah. So Love that guy, yeah. So we've been um, getting on multiple times a week actually. And we have this super dope like EP that we're doing right now. I'm like, I think I can talk about it. Um, so as you guys know, I'm a classical pianist, so I, I also work in sync licensing, so I write music for film and TV, and so I get, I get songs signed to catalogs, and they place them in, in shows and stuff. And so I have this whole catalog of piano music that I actually scored for piano and string quartet, and so I – all the classics, like Moonlight for Elise, like, you know, all the all the classics – And I recorded the string quartet and the piano. So have a whole catalog of that. And then I was like, it'd be super dope if we just had like some beats to this. And so I ended up finding out about memory code because it turns out we did a little bit of work together on the star Wars project that, Mm. that, um, recently was unveiled back in March. So. There is this track that I sung to for the Star Wars hotel, and I was like, you know, it's this group of mystery producers. So it's like, you don't know really who you're working with other than like the main guy. And so I tracked it down. I'm like, this this style sounds familiar to me. <laughs> and I <laughs> tracked down memory code.
3: Oh my God. That's awesome. <laughs> A, that's awesome that you were able to track them down, but B that like He has such a sonic signature that it was like, yeah, this is this. Yeah,
4: it was so rad. And so I tracked him down and I'm like, yo, I think like we might have worked on a thing together. He was like, holy shit, that was you with the alien vocals? Uh (laughs) It's like, that was next level. And so that was so um, anyways, we're doing a lo-fi hip hop public domain classical EP right now. And it's like super dope, like uh, doing complete mashups of Claire de Lune and Moonlight and for Elise, and um, just yesterday I got him signed to this super rad library. So,
0: congratulations! Thank you. Yeah, we're yeah, gonna be. Stuff.
4: Yeah, we're gonna. I don't know when we're gonna actually release the project. Um, we're working on the fifth track right now, but the fifth and final track. But it's been really fun to to do that.
1: So yeah, I'm curious to hear a little bit, and I know it obviously changes from track to track and all that. But given that you have so much experience in all these different domains of music and production is kind of secondary in a sense to all of that, I'm really curious what your writing process looks like. Do you find you prioritize anything in particular? Do you find that you're especially strong at any one thing? And uh, even if you find like you're weak in a certain area, like do you find there's just specific like things that influence your style and like how do you like to go about writing a track?
4: Awesome. Um so yeah, I definitely have a very specific process for writing and it was actually all validated. I took a a class from Ryan Tedder last year who has written for Bieber and Adele and like all these people. And uh turns out he actually uses the same process I do. <laughs> mm. And it was so cool to like, you know, know that hey, this is like not unique to me, you know. Um he stole I always it from
2: you. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah so being a pianist um i always start out with a five like without a doubt i'm always sitting at the piano and i'm like thinking of my chords I, I come up with a chord progression um and then after i do that i typically will naturally hear like a bass line and some wait so
3: bass- sorry sorry to interject here yeah, but no so worries. do you start with the with a five chord or you start with five chords in a progression?
4: Oh, not five chords. It's, it could be, I'd start with a chord progression. Okay. Like it could be two chords. It could be eight chords. It's just a chord progression of some kind. Got it. And uh, after I come up with my chord progression, I naturally hear like the bass and the drums very, and I just kind of get those out while, I, while it's hot. And then I will typically hear a melody pop into my head. And so... Um, at this point it could be just like a four-bar loop that I'm working with. It's not like a song yet. But in that four-bar loop, I will usually hear a thing. And so I'll go into my my vocal booth and I literally just start singing gibberish like la's and oos and deep dees. I do not have any plan in mind. And like when I go in and I start singing and vocalizing, sometimes syllables will pop out. Like when I was writing this track, um, Stranded, this on the EP, like I was doing this process and then the words, I don't want to be your island, like just popped out. I'm like, cause it was that, that was the cadence that I wanted to hear. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of a cool concept. Like, I don't want to be your island. And it sparked this whole concept for a song for me of like somebody who's relying on you too much and like you know, you're feeling smothered or like it, it prompted this whole other line of thought. And so when I'm creating a song, I always start out with gibberish. Then I I kind of listen to the universe or whatever. It's so like, what's what's coming? Mm-hmm. What is what is what syllables? What? Yeah, what, uh, consonants. Do I want to hear? Yeah, so, you get
0: the vowels first. You get the groove. Yeah. You get the melody, and then just like ask, okay, what, what message fits here?
4: Yeah, that's really yeah, cool. and then naturally after that, like a chorus, because choruses for me are like a good chorus is only gonna have like two or three or four words. You know, it's mm. like not a very complicated. of the song it's like the thing that you want to drive home so that part of the song for me is probably where my verses happen and then from the verses derives a concept for the song that will then become a chorus later on down the road So. so i'm
1: curious once you kind of figure out the concept from there are you still kind of like improving and finding melodies and then still trying to fit the words to that or like once you have your concept is it a bit more of like a hand-in-hand approach with the lyrics and melodies? Uh,
4: Good question, how, how do you yeah. How
1: do you keep the concept flowing throughout your lyrics?
4: Um, yeah, so typically I'll have the melody dialed like with a piano line or with my vocal like la la la's and then comes the obsessive for months part of like <laughs> thinking of the right lyrics. <laughs>
1: All right, that makes it feel a lot better. <laughs>
4: yeah, that, that's like where I mull over each and every word and I look up the synonyms for each and every word and I make sure it doesn't feel too cliché and I make sure that it's universal enough to like have everybody relate to and not specific, too specific. And uh so yeah, that's that sometimes takes months, you know.
1: So what what does that look like then? Is it a lot of scratch vocals re-recording over that? Is it like do you Because one thing I found with vocals, uh, now I feel a bit better about it, but especially early on, I would kind of have this hesitancy to do all this like layering and stuff uh, Mm -hmm. if I wanted to change the word. Or I would do all the layering and get the production sounding really cool and then be conflicted over like, I hate this word. How do you kind of work that in? Are you just like just re-recording all your layers from scratch every time? Or are you like taking your time before you even go in for the vocal recording session to really like, commit to what you want to say
4: that that's kind of how i do it because you're right if you were to open up any one of my sessions you will likely see and rip kenny knows like at least 50 vocal stacks and so i need to make sure i have the word that i want you know and so i um most of the time my lyrics come to me when i'm not near the computer like it's like when i'm swimming or in a hot tub or in the shower or when I'm driving or when I'm walking.
2: Yeah. Um,
4: When I
0: relate to that. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
4: So I try to really prioritize like my daily walks and, and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, having kids, it's like, if I can do an errand without them in the car, (laughs) I'm like, this is, this is where I put the instrumental on, you know, and Mm -hmm. I just on repeat. So, um, and I just take tons of notes on my, you know, on my iPhone. I have, I have a running log of lyric ideas and concepts. I run it by my husband, like, you know, um, on a regular basis. Cause he, he really helps shine a mirror on certain lyrics and stuff like that. So I really mm-hmm. appreciate having feedback. Um,
3: is he a, is he a tough a or is, or is he, a... uh, <laughs> yeah,
4: he is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> My wife Shelby is a tough AR as well, but uh, I think it ends up being a good thing because yeah. you want someone to tell you their honest opinion. And although that can be deflating to yep. have the person you respect the most give you some tough feedback.
4: <laughs> totally uh,
0: but it I think it makes you a better artist for mm-hmm. sure and it makes the good feedback when they're like oh my god i love yeah. it so real because you're not Yo, are you just saying no you told me the last one was trash <laughs> so this one probably really is good i'm gonna release it yeah. exactly
4: exactly yeah and so it's been really fun also working with collaborators um that like i did a track with sixth street and um You know, and and it was just really fun because he, it was, I think it was, he was a little shy at first to kind of just brainstorm lyrics because I think a lot of producers at first, Mm -hmm. they don't necessarily feel comfortable writing a lot of lyrics. Uh, You know, some producers are very comfortable, but not all. And so um, I think it's a really fun exercise is to just have a conversation and like come up with a concept and then just start, like, I, I have a game that I like to play where I say a synonym. Okay, let's play right now. <laughs> Great. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, okay, so, like, you say a synonym, and then you come up with another one. So I'll start first. Uh, collide.
3: Crash. Smash. <laughs> Intersect.
4: Right. And so so we, um, you know write all these all these down and we just it's just like a brain dump exercise mm-hmm. you know mm. and so I feel like it's been really fun to work with other people and try to tease out the concepts that they're trying to grasp but don't know quite how to say it and so it's been really fun focusing on lyric writing in that way
2: yeah i was
3: that's just really going to cool. say that that's one thing that like cuz when we were working on uh Sinister Intentions uh you'll hear on the album um we did that a lot like we we probably had like five or six zoom calls like where we would just like go over like lyrics and just like literally sit there like blank faced trying Mm -hmm. to think of words but like ultimately it resulted in something that I think uh, like we're can't speak for you, but I'm I'm quite proud of it. Um, I love it.
4: Yeah. That, that
3: track, even so, f- so some funny backstory on that, and then I'll actually dive into a little bit of the collaborative process on that, because I feel like it's worth touching on, because it is still to this day, I feel like the most front loaded, but also the most fruitful collaborative process I've ever had. But mm-hmm. so that track started out with a song that I had written maybe three or four years ago that I really liked, but never really knew what it would work on it always felt like kind of an album track and i i sent it to you and we wrote some lyrics for it and then it kind of dawned on me that like even though i really like the song it's not quite in the stylings or production chops that i make now mm-hmm. so then i wrote a whole new song <laughs> to the to the lyrics that we that we made i remember and of course, <laughs> yeah <laughs> I was like, I'm taking a hard left on us. Bear with me. Uh, yeah. And of course, in that process, some of the sections no longer worked and we had to re-record, I don't want to say everything, but just about everything uh-huh. multiple times. Yeah. like um, the 50 even, stacks. <laughs> yeah, 50 stacks this every time. every
4: stack, by the way.
3: <laughs> Straight up, this the song that we collaborated on, Start to Finish, I think I have – more hours into that project than any other that I've ever worked on, like 300 wow. hours, like, wow. No shit
2: oh my um, gosh.
3: Like even after the one that I sent you, I went through and re-recorded all of the guitars cause the rhythm wasn't right. And like, like rewrote the first drop, like the whole, like the whole thing was an exercise in like getting closer and getting closer and like, chipping away at it but it's definitely one that like because we had made it so much better then i was like okay now i'm not like it all has to be that good um but yeah so i wanted to touch on our, our process Savage. as well um mm-hmm. uh which was basically so we just like we decided we were gonna work on a song together for the album um and like i gave her the whole like concepts for the story of the album. And then uh, I think it was your idea, actually. You were like, well, you should maybe we put together like a storyboard of like, you know, words, concepts, ideas, photos, just like Mm -hmm. some stuff to provide inspiration. And I was like, yeah, that's a great idea. And then when I was putting it together, I was actually like, wow, this is so smart. Because not only does it help me organize what my vision is for you, it also crystallizes the vision for myself as well. Mm -hmm. Like the imagery, like I, you know, searched Google images for like stuff that I felt like matched the vibe and then came up with just some words, Mm -hmm. like brain dump thoughts, concepts, yada, yada. And then when she came back with some lyrics and some melody, it was already so fucking close to like the perfect thing in my head. Like, I've never had that happen. Normally it's such like, a like half the lines in the verse are like close, but not there. And then the chorus, like the melodies, like you want to screw with it. Like everything was so close already. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like that is, although more work up front, Mm -hmm. like you end up for a collaboration, getting better results that you're like both happier with.
4: Totally. I mean, I remember when we were having a conversation, I was there like just typing like keywords of what you were saying. And then all the images that you sent me were just so spot on. I'm like, Oh my God, that was just brilliant. Like that whole
2: yeah.
4: document he provided.
3: Yeah. It, it worked great. Um, yeah. and I have to say, I think, I think y'all are going to love the song. Oh, um, for a fact, I, I mm. can already tell. <laughs> uh but it, uh, yeah, wasn't wasn't uh, a quick one. It was a labor of love, but
1: yeah, yeah. So. so on that, um, you know, we talked a little bit about lyrics so far and and you you talked about um, vocals kind of being a new thing for you and and this is where really sparks my curiosity because it was for me as well, and there was a lot of, despite knowing all the kind of music stuff, a lot to learn about, vocals are very unique instrument and one of the things that i felt like was a significant part of my journey was like learning tone and projection and how to feel out the vibe of the track and i'm curious like when you go into a session like that when when evan gives you like a list of words and gives you pictures and all this stuff how do you kind of channel that vibe then into your singing like what do you think about when you're trying to convey that emotion um just from like a pure like Sonics way, like how do you, how do you like kind of manipulate your voice and like find the right tone?
4: Gosh, I don't know that I have that much technique <laughs> to be able to manipulate my voice all that much. Honestly, I feel like that is a path that I would love to go down, but I kind of just go, I I write um, melodies that are comfortable in my range and like, you know, we work, we make sure the tracks and the right key and all that kind of stuff. Mm. But um, yeah. With, I'm, and when I'm tracking vocals, I mean, I have my loop bar on and I'm sometimes recording like a four bar phrase, like over and over and over. And then I'm comping the vocals to where I have the syllable, just like I like it here. And then I mac- match it with the next one. And so I'm very um, like that editing process is very heavy uh, on the editing process for me. Because I think, you know, it's like not my main instrument. And so I know what I want to hear. But, you know, going into session, I do have certain vibes that I'm working with. Like Mm -hmm. Rip Kinney had another track where I had to belt something and it was like so awkward for me. Um, But I did it. (sighs) But, uh, yeah, it's definitely it was out of my comfort zone. But. That's, that's
0: where okay. we
1: grow. You know, it's so cool to hear you say that because listening to the project, I definitely felt like you had a way more vocal experience than you're saying now. So that that that's, that's right. really cool. Yeah, yeah. Like when and we and I can together, imagine, you know,
2: like, what I it'll said look the like. Same
1: thing. Yeah, like I figured you were probably like doing vocals like just as long or or yeah. whatever because it seemed like a very natural kind of like fit for your style and it just you seem comfortable doing it and that's like a huge part of vocalizing too is
3: and I, the the other thing awesome. that drew me to want to work with you is your ability to do probably like you were talking about the training with the atonal stuff where it's mm-hmm. like it's not just major intervals and minor intervals in your melodies it's yeah. like dissonant yeah. half note steps yeah and in my head like um Oh yeah. I guess worth mentioning another thing that like about our process that like got us to a final result that worked really well is like once we had like the 80% vocal and there were like a couple melodies that I, or like harmonies that I wanted to add or whatever, like I would just take the vocal, like pitched around in Ableton and then send her a stem of like the pitched one and be like, can you sing this? Yeah, And like every time you just absolutely nailed it, And some of them were weird,
2: like (laughs)
3: really weird. Like, like I would struggle to sing them. Um, And like, I could hear it in your own music too. You, you have the same melodic sensibility of like dark, interesting type Mm -hmm. stuff. And that's not easy to sing. Like I know from experience, Mm -hmm. like I'm, I, I have less experience singing than you, I think. And like anytime I have to sing, like, A tritone and then like dip like one semitone or something strange Mm
2: -hmm. it's like a
3: hundred takes it's like your voice like you've you don't normally ever sing something like that and then like to get your brain to do it is so much harder Mm -hmm. in practice than in theory plus you have to nail the pronunciation you have to nail the tone and so it's like it's so much harder to get the right take when the, when the melody is doing a weird thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess just kudos to you. Yeah. That's that. why
4: I loved, I loved working with you is cause it, it was, it's just a dark is, you know, melancholic and I don't know. I love that. I love that kind of music. So
1: yeah. You know, it'd be really cool. I'd love to hear from the both of you. Like what's one takeaway from this project, like something you learned from each other or something that, I don't know, maybe you had a breakthrough on or a cool little mm-hmm. trick you learned.
3: I think for me, like the fact that she had the idea to get organized on the front end, that, that was probably the biggest lasting takeaway that I've had because, you know, I've probably worked with 10, 15 vocalists and I've never felt like as on the same page and satisfied like the whole way through as I had with Kristen like we were just bouncing off each other and like the whole thing was just very smooth and I think that that a lot of that had to do with like us taking the time to figure out the concept to figure out the vision and the and the the ground floor of what we wanted to do really solidly first so that's one for me. I know we already talked about that. So I'll think about something else.
4: Yeah, for me, I think um, when, you know, we spent hours and we we spent a lot of time recording over that first initial song idea that Evan had. And so I spent hours recording. And then um, when he decided to take a hard left and like change it all up, um, I think instead of feeling like annoyed or frustrated, I was like, okay, this is a chance for me to learn how to hone my vocal process, how to become more efficient. Like this is part of, this is part of the process. And so I feel like for me, I actually took that opportunity and I dialed in my vocal process so hard. Like I feel so excited about like the, the way that I do my vocals now. And it's like, every session i open it's the same process it's the same color coding it's the same system and so i think i thank rip kenny for that because <laughs> you know so cool. it's like what's what's that phrase it's like uh necessity is the mother of uh, oh, invention, invention. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah So totally.
3: yeah Just apologies for my ocd in advance um
4: No, no, like, and that's all good. Like, I think that this is, this is after working with Dylan too, he's the same Mm -hmm. way. Like he changes his mind like all the time. And I think true, like artists do that. And like, that's part of the process and it's to be expected. And so, yeah, yeah, no apologies needed
3: at all. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I was still like so nervous when I sent you that message, like she's going (laughs) to Fucking hate me.
2: <laughs> She's
3: gonna be pissed. Like we had a whole
1: song and now it's like,
3: nah, new one. And to it's be not fair, like we a didn't... lot of
1: people would be. But of course. It's awesome to have the open mindedness to switch it up
2: that yeah
3: And it's not like we didn't the concept was the same, the ethos was the same. A lot of the lyrical content we still reused. We still had to rewrite about forty percent of it. Mm-hmm. Uh but I guess the takeaway is if you're going to work with someone like have that initial meeting and make sure that you're both on the same page on the ground floor and bought in because it really is a long haul Mm -hmm. to finish something you're proud of. And I think all is forgiven when the song comes out and everyone's like, holy shit, this is great. Mm -hmm. But what can happen instead is that person is self-conscious about potentially telling you that like, ah, like I'm not really happy with this. Like and instead of like trying to pivot and make it work because Mm -hmm. you wouldn't have a good relationship with that person or you're nervous to tell them your real thoughts, Mm
2: -hmm.
4: the
3: whole thing just gets shelved and then it never comes out. Right. Right. Then then it becomes like that, that that's a waste of time
4: yeah totally right
3: like so that's definitely something that I hadn't I hadn't realized was as important and I think I mean just just being candid here like I've never done that either like mm-hmm. I think because it was going on the album which is like in my head like clearly has to be the top of the top echelon for what I'm capable of like it became clear that that's the only way that i was going to be happy with it and mm-hmm. so like it is kind of an exception to do that much work but that being said like you have to work with someone that you trust that you feel comfortable with that you feel as mature and understands you and the vision because that's when you actually make gold and sometimes it takes 300 hours sometimes it takes 20 But when you have that relationship with someone and you trust them and you trust their work and you trust the communication between you two, that can make a world of difference.
4: And I totally appreciated the specificity of your vision. Um, You know, a lot of times you get an instrumental track from somebody and it's like they don't know what the concept is or what they want it to be about. They don't have any specific vision. But the fact that you took the time to record your auto-tuned vocals with the, like, atonal runs that you did, I liked that. It's like I love working with nothing, um, no vision at all and creating something from scratch. And I also love working with, like, this is the vocal line. These are the words. And, like, I think for a producer that takes a level of confidence, especially if, you know, if you're – trying to convey vocals to a vocalist and you don't have the confidence to sing yourself i think that that's a skill every producer should learn is to like record your melodic line somehow like on a piano or with autotune or whatever because yeah yeah we appreciate your input and like yeah. want to hear what your vision is
3: yeah and i think like like even if you're not working with a vocalist, like yeah. you you need that skill, right? Because oh, even yes. just writing a melody that you're clicking in in the piano role, yeah, like you could write 10 trash melodies, clicking stuff in and moving it around, trying to make it work. Mm-hmm. And if you just whistle or mm-hmm. sing gibberish, like you were talking about, mm-hmm. you're probably going to get way closer on those 10 than you would if you're just, you know going by braille
4: totally and you know that that reminds me one of my exercises i did in college i had a teacher um in one of my music theory classes we would start the first 10 minutes every day he played harmonium and we would sing ragas like he would just sing a melodic line we would repeat the melodic line it was always within a particular scale but the melody was always dancing all over the place and so i feel like um Even that, like, to sit down at a piano and just hold, like, the same bass notes in an ostinato, like, over and over again and just improvise in a particular mode or scale or key is so valuable of an exercise for anyone, you know?
0: Yeah, really, I found that improvisation of all types really unblocks those, those, like, Mm -hmm. mental the mental sticky places were like, is this good enough? Like, it doesn't matter. Just don't stop singing. Yeah, like exactly. I, I found it like it works. Like you said, it works if you're jamming on the piano or a guitar. Mm-hmm. It works if you're singing melodies. It works if you're like rapping freestyle mm-hmm. lyrics, which is something I've done for a long time. And people like get so worried about the words. And because I've got so much experience, just letting them flow and not worrying about what they are. I can yeah. just like pour ideas out. And, like, do you like this one? This one? This one? This one? This one? Oh, that sixth one—that's the one you dig. Okay, cool. And yeah. I'm not worried about the other five,
4: exactly. they
0: just—I've recognized that there is like an endless creative flow you can tap into.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: And, and it's, it's good out, like, to like, not be precious. Memory. Yeah, exactly.
4: Yeah. yeah, you can't be precious with like the one phrase. <laughs> It's
0: like, yeah. No, this yeah, is that's the way it's got to be. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
3: like, I know for me, when I was just getting okay at doing vocals, like, that would happen a lot. Like, you spend two hours writing the whole song, and, like, in your head, that first day when you wrote the chords and everything, you're like, yep, this is it. I got it. And then you lay it down and you know you start getting feedback and you're like man people don't really like like half these or like you know m- half these lines in the verse and but i, but I, I you know you just get too precious of it. you like think to yourself like oh I, I like them though like i liked them like i think they're good like yeah. <laughs> you just get too precious over it cuz it's such a lyrics especially are such a personal thing Mm-hmm. And, like, because it's such like lyrics and voice, like, especially tied together, like, it feels so much of part of you that it can be an extremely touchy dance to, like, let that go until you've actually trained that skill of, like, not being precious. Like, you have to, you have to teach yourself and learn and practice that. Um, yeah. Because, especially with lyrics, melody, singing, like, It's tough.
4: Yeah, Mm -hmm. especially, you know, after you write a really good song, you have to have the mindset of, like, my best song is yet to come. I just wrote a really good song, and there's an even better one on its way. Amen. You know?
0: Yeah, that's a really good mindset to keep in because we can – I've definitely been in places in my life, and it's funny to think back now because that place was so many years ago. So many better songs ago But I thought I had I had hit my peak Like I don't think I'll ever Write a song that good again I think I've peaked And like laughing Like I was 19 when I thought I peaked And just because (laughs) they'd had like A few months of like A slight slump In my perceived quality of songwriting (laughs) After this one that I really dug It's like You just keep pushing And and don't judge yourself too harshly You mentioned I was Oh yeah, go for it.
4: Yeah, I was recently um I was recently at a concert and there was this this group, they're playing Americana, and everybody in the band was probably over the age of 70. And there was this one woman who played slide guitar, she was 88. And I just Ooh. it's the thought dawned on me oh. that like with music, you just keep getting better. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like with age you just get better and better and better. And yeah, it's so,
0: not like basketball where you peak at twenty-four.
4: Right, right. It's like you're gonna just get better. And so I don't know, I had that that thought just
1: that's such a key yeah, thing it's too. Very true. Like enjoying the journey. Like I always, always hated hearing that answer because I wanted to know how to do the vocals right now. Cause this <laughs> song needs it and I'm not gonna yeah. wait for this song. Right. Yeah. So it's like almost this entitledness of like I want it right now and I should be able to. And it's like all of these things in theory are not even that hard per se, but it's a lifelong journey to just pick up the subtleties and the nuances and really like, you know, it's like um, the small subtleties of like the English language. And there's like all these idioms that don't make any sense. And there's double negatives. And there's like all this, uh, there's all these rules and then all these exceptions to the rule. And it's like when we talk, we don't think about it. We just know through what we've heard, how to articulate it. And with music, there's like a big part of that too, where it's like, you can be doing the one, four, five properly, but it can still feel off because you're not like, you just haven't had that experience yet to really like for every single concept, it's just like, you got to feel it. There's a difference between knowing it and then like feeling it in your core. And when you get to that stage, then it, it's like after you said, um, with the vocals on that track, after you dialed it in, you had the process, like now you have something to move forward with. The whole like journey that we're on is just that, is just picking up little things along the way. And none of them are that hard individually, but the more tools you got in your toolbox, now you can try different combinations, you can try doing it in different ways, all that. And it's crazy how there's almost like this like hump, creative hump. You're like pushing this rock up a mountain, fighting writer's block and all that. And when you finally pass that point, it's like the rock just goes down the other side of the hill. And it's like, the ideas just don't stop from there. And I think that's a really healthy mindset to have. Definitely, I wish I adopted that a little earlier. And I think that's something really important for people listening to take away. It's like, you don't have to write that banger EP this year No matter how bad you want to. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. why why not in five years? Why why is that bad? Why not in ten? Like, like you said, the best shit is yet to come. And that's like part of what makes the journey so exhilarating is gives you Mm -hmm. something to look forward to. Totally.
2: Totally.
1: Literally. And
3: it's so funny how like I don't know about you guys, but I think I had those kinds of I want it now. Thoughts like my first three years of production, or like you're writing a song, and you're like, yeah, it's gonna be like the, like the Tomorrow World theme or whatever. You're like, oh, it's gonna be so sick. Like, oh, it's gonna like it's gonna change my life. Like that. Gonna I don't even have those thoughts planet. anymore. Yeah. yeah, like like yeah. nothing nothing is that important anymore. I'm still just as proud of good stuff that I make, but nothing nothing is blown out of proportion. I just like enjoy doing it you know yeah that,
4: that that leads me to ask you all a question um okay you know
0: the tables have turned yeah, yeah.
4: so why do you make music
1: mm, i don't have a choice because, because it's fun. i gotta <laughs> uh honestly it's, it's kind of like in the
0: back of my head and it'd be rude mm-hmm. not to get it into the world yeah. it's trying mm-hmm. so hard
1: I heard some famous musician describe it as like a drug addiction that can support itself. And I was like, that's <laughs> not a bad way to put it to be honest. Cause I definitely like get like start feeling the itch after like a week or two. If I'm away, if I don't have any creative output, I definitely feel like some internal something's not right? all right.
4: Turmoil. Yeah. Tesco. Cause you said, I have no choice, right? I can totally relate to that. That's, yeah
1: it's like a blessing and a curse or uh some some other artist uh uh i can't remember exactly who i was reading an interview and they're like what's your relationship with music and he's like honestly it kind of feels like making a deal with the devil in the sense that like i get this really cool thing and i can go on tour and make music that connects with people but every waking second of my life is like wrapped around this like one thing and everything i talk about or do or like if I'm going clothes shopping, I'm listening to the music playing on the speakers, he's like, it's kind of like this double-edged sword where like
2: oh, totally. it's the best
1: thing in my life, but I can't yeah. get away from it. Dude, literally, like every single song you hear
3: is broken apart into a hundred <laughs> pieces. Snare's oh too loud. That sound was harsh. Like even when I'm at a festival, yes. it's like constantly <laughs> running through my head, Oh, they fucked that up. Yeah. Oh, that, that was sick. Like everyone's vibing to that, like mental note, like that kind of vibe works. Like all of it <laughs> is just a consistent information, input, output. And you're like, did I even have fun? Dude, <laughs> like, I, can't,
4: I can't even like I can't really go to-
3: Download what happened.
4: <laughs> I can't even do a proper shavasana in yoga class because I'm there like analyzing- <laughs> Yeah, ambient
2: music playing so in
4: the
3: back. You're like, Yo, oh, for real, this one has a lot of sub bass for an ambient tune. I wonder if that was intentional. Or yeah. if-
4: the sound bowls are at a fifth. Yeah.
1: Have you guys ever seen that meme? It's like the people at a party, and it's the one dude standing in the corner, like with the beer, yep. and he's like, yep. "They don't even know this snare sounds like shit," and all the people are dancing. They're like, "Why is that guy been standing in the corner all night?"
2: Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, not for you. Music, music can get really distracting for me. There are t- certain like parts of my life where I specifically don't put music on because mm-hmm. it's like I know like sometimes I go to work. Like sometimes it's nice to have music on. But I know for a fact that if I'm doing something I got to pay attention to, I will be pulling my phone out every three minutes to be like, oh, who's this? Oh, mm-hmm. shit. Who's this? Oh, <laughs> shit. Who's this? Like, oh, this needs to be on that playlist. Oh, my gosh. Right. And and then it gets to the point like humble brag i was making out with somebody the other day and she had put on <laughs> music and i actually like had to pause like hey can we actually turn that music off i'm like thinking about yes. it an equal <laughs> amount to how good it is to kiss you and i want to change that ratio to 100% thinking about <laughs> kissing you yep cuz uh, <laughs> oh man <laughs> yep. you know
3: yeah. <laughs> You're just like, oh, come on, that snare, and she's like, what? You're, uh, I know,
0: <laughs> bro. I gotta tell you a story. Uh, come on, what I now?
3: That, <laughs> did I say that out loud? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a you know, gift and a curse, but uh you know, mm-hmm. everything has a double edge, right? And mm-hmm. you know, I think you mentioned something early about um education. And how you need, like, a real emotional intelligence to be able to be an educator. But I think, Mm -hmm. like, I've been hearing so many things in this conversation that that's true for. Like, it it really takes a lot of emotional intelligence to collaborate. It takes a lot of emotional intelligence to, like, deal with what's going on in our own head as creatives with our insecurities, our impatience. It takes so much, like, and, and it's a process, you know we want it now that veruca salt syndrome you know like willy wonka vibes and like we we want it right now but we have to learn to know that it's a process that we got to enjoy and that sometimes it takes like a tangent to get us where we're really going like you know the road ahead is blocked take the detour go the scenic route
2: mm-hmm.
0: um like for me personally i um i was working so hard in this very like Divine masculine, like, let me go get it, crush my goals. Doing every single night stand up super late, like draft after draft of these songs I was working on. It's gonna finish them all. And I ended up just having to like stop 100% and just be like, I'm, these songs are all dead to me for minimum three months. I'm not even gonna listen to a single one of them because I've lost all perspective. And right when I made that decision, somebody was like, hey, you want this DJ gig? And I was like, it's the pandemic. Of course I want a DJ gig. Get me out of my house. I'm going insane. And that has sparked me off on like the, this last year of DJing more than I ever have. And it's been such a blast. And taking time away from writing and recording and engineering music has put me on this path of more DJing and dancing, which is led me to understand what I actually like about music and what other people actually like about music. And it's gotten me out of my head and into my body so much more that it's like, now that I'm coming back to writing a lot more music, it's like, Oh man, these songs are that much better because I'm not trying to do all the shit. I feel would be impressive in my mind. Mm -hmm. I'm just doing the shit that makes me want to dance. That reminds me of that song. You're like, Oh, this would mix that would blend well with that song. I already love playing. Let me just make it good enough to sit next to that.
4: That's awesome. What about you, Kenny? Why do you make music?
0: Uh, I think just because it's
3: fun. Honestly, like there's just like, actually, I, I think we might have touched on that in an earlier podcast. I think I more eloquently realized why I make it, um, which is like creation, is like innately satisfying. And I think that's where I'm coming from with the, Mm -hmm. like it's fun Mm -hmm. because like, if you sit down on the couch and binge watch Netflix for 12 hours, like that's fun. Mm -hmm. But at the end of it, you feel the consumption. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: You, you in, you intake all of this stuff and, and you like, you mentally know that that time was fun, but spent consuming. And at the end of a 12 hour music session, when you have a full rough draft of a song, you feel great. Yeah. Like Amen. you just feel so yeah. innately satisfied, like the intrinsic motivation of, of making music when you're, when you made, you just made something you like. Yeah. It's so like deeply spiritually, like completing, you know, it's the
4: flow state.
3: Yeah. And it's just like, I think that is the reason that I continue to do it.
4: Totally. Um,
3: And I just wanted to add on top
2: Mm. that
3: I totally agree with Luke. When he said that, I realized that one of the reasons collaborating with you was so fun is because you have a very high EQ. So, Thank you. Thank you. High high EQ or high IQ? (laughs) EQ. Emotional. Like uh, It's basically emotional. Emotional the emotional quotient.
0: uh, I got that. I like that.
4: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm kind of like high EQ,
0: the air on top (laughs) of your voice just sounds. (laughs) (laughs) I know, right?
4: Yeah.
3: Well, that too, but
4: yeah, (laughs) (laughs) brought that out. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I, I'm right there with you, Tesca. It's like, I have no choice. It's like, I have to, otherwise I get antsy. Mm
2: -hmm.
4: Excuse me. And I think that like, specifically, it's been a little challenging for me being a mom because excuse me um because my you know my focus cannot be solely on music at all times when it's like that's Mm -hmm. what I really want to be doing all the time but I have to I home I homeschool my kids three days a week too um so that's like another thing that's like wow I can't believe I'm doing that too (laughs) like that I don't you know it's It's because I like flexibility. I like freedom of choice to, you know, go to a museum or, you know, just do random outdoor things instead of, you know, stay in a classroom. There are reasons why I do that. But um, I think making music is a double-edged sword because it's like most times I'm hanging with my children. I do try to – I have to try consciously to, like, be – be open and present, and because I could so easily be like thinking about the verse or mm-hmm. the melody or whatever, and so um, it's I think especially challenging being being a mom and a music producer, um, you know. Because yeah, yeah,
1: I can imagine. Yeah, yeah geez.
4: <laughs> it's it's a lot, but it also crystallizes. I'm I always like look for the silver lining in things, and so I think having kids could have so easily been an excuse for me to not make music i'm like i am too busy there's too much input uh there's these other things i have to focus on and so i think having kids has crystallized my priorities for me of like yes i am busy af and i also want to do this Mm -hmm. and um so i need to prioritize it and i I totally prioritize it. Like my husband is amazing. He does like bedtime every single night for the, with the kids for years now. And I'm like, I have this thing. I'm like, Oh, I feel sadness that I'm not reading bedtime stories to them and all this stuff. But I'm like, okay, this is my choice. This is how I'm getting it done. It's like, I work basically from eight to two every night. And then, you know, I, I, sneak in several hours during the day as well. So.
1: Wow. Um, That's wow. pretty good. That's
4: yeah. Awesome. So I feel like, I feel almost like having the lack of time makes me prioritize things. So like
2: mm-hmm.
4: knowing if I had a six hour stretch of time to like write write my breakdown, I would be like choosing samples all day, but if I know I have one hour to write this breakdown, I'm like, okay, we're spending five minutes on this, we're spending 20 minutes on that, and it, I feel like I am more efficient. Like mm-hmm. my mom once told me, if you ever need to get something done, ask a busy person. <laughs> and now I know what she means. It's because it's like, if you are busy, you know how to prioritize your tasks. And, yeah. Um, get stuff done. And so like um I feel having kids has crystallized that for me. And also I make music because I personally was so incredibly affected by music like as a teenager, it just brought as I think we can all relate, you know. Yeah. Yeah. That um mm-hmm. it just brings us to emotional landscapes that are otherwise not available. Right. Like Mm -hmm. listening to music brings us to places in ourselves that are so beautiful and so, um, you know, new with each song. It's like, it's just a beautiful, beautiful thing. Yeah. So I love doing that for people. Yeah,
3: (laughs) totally. Well, I feel like, I feel like this portion of the conversation has tied a pretty nice bow on our talk here. Um, if you would like to plug anything coming up and um, give us and the world, your socials, how to reach you.
4: Absolutely. Um, so go look me up dream tonic. And my website is dreamtonicmusic.com and you can subscribe to my newsletter. And I have all sorts of fun videos up there and stuff. Um, I have a release coming out on Friday. And it's a lo-fi late night beat tape um, track. It's really dope. Like lo-fi and opera all combined. Awesome. Um, And then, yeah, we're going to be releasing. uh, I have releases in September, October, and December. I'm probably slating the classical EP lo fi hip hop ep for november
3: wow you you have you have a release in august as well on
4: and a release in august 11.
3: i feel like i feel like like the perfect way to end this would probably just be to play it yes for for everyone just a nice little nice little
0: outro here you heard it her you heard you heard it her first folks Hmm. you heard it her first I'm sticking with all it. Right. I'm just going to start saying it like that now. Great.
2: You, hear first. you heard it um, her first. All right.
3: <laughs> I'm going to share my computer audio. Let's, let's get some thumbs up from y'all if when it starts playing, you oh. can hear it. Hold on, wait. I'm early. And I'm going to play it in three, two, one.
0: Oh, Jesus.
2: Yeah.
1: Boop 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 crazy. I can only imagine the amount of time that took.
0: Uh, I was I'm imagining so- hearing it on the on the Gorge main stage <laughs> at Base Canyon. Seems <laughs> like tight. seems like the next stop for that song. Yeah, agreed. Just like 40,000 kids just headbanging their asses off to oh, it. Oh yeah. Yeah, that wow.
4: That was worth three hundred hours.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, congratulations to your EQ for for putting up with all the changes and I think the amount of effort <laughs> on both sides was worth it for sure.
4: Yeah, for Amen. sure. Yeah. Woo. yeah. I'm so I'm so pumped for your album. Yeah. <laughs> so too. pumped. Yeah.
3: Me too. Yeah,
0: Me too. actually I have one more thing I wanted to wanted to give you real quick. Um, You're talking about the um, kind of that balance of like going for your music and and spending time with your kids. And, you know, that, you know, that little voice, that's like, oh, man, I could be reading bedtime stories. That'd be so sweet. But I got to be over here. And as the child of a poet who, when I was a small child, made the choice to go full time and make poetry her living and still is doing that, like Uh. that example of watching my mom do what she's actually put on the world to do and spend her time doing that while also being a loving mom and spending time with me was uh, such a great gift. Makes up for so many story times.
4: That just gave me, she shows. Thank me you the for story sharing of that. her life. Seriously. That's wow. awesome. So cool. Wow. And on wow. that
0: note,
1: <laughs> yeah, that was an amazing yeah. episode. Wow. thank you for Beautiful. sharing yeah. all that with us and taking the time i was very insightful i felt and and honestly like i said very surprising to hear that you hadn't even been doing vocals that long because i mean even just listening to that track like it just everything felt like it worked like
3: it's dialed right it's yeah like,
1: like it, it it felt like you knew exactly what you were doing
3: i felt the same way so
1: yeah
0: <laughs> Woo. and cool. uh, so good yeah. So good. Yeah. The way we sign this out, first we give everybody a peace. Peace. And then a peace among worlds. <laughs> <laughs>
1: bye bye. Awesome. Bye.
0: Thank you
2: for Thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning
1: in. Thank, thank you. you.
3: Yeah, thank you. Bye, All friends.
0: Right. Bye bye. I like it. All right, humans, thanks so much for being with us here with Dream Tonic. Make sure to go check out DreamTonicMusic.com, follow her at Dream Tonic, and uh, go listen to her song of the week. That's Loving's Coming Down on Me off her new EP. And uh, it's got an Ill Gates collab in there, which is super big. It's a really fun jam. I played this live at my set of Samadhi Summer the other week. It was super fun. And uh, and uh, you can go check it out in our Song of the Week Spotify playlist as well. Make sure to support our sponsors where you're down in those links. Get on Dojo TV if you're not already. That's free producer live stream classes. There's track feedback. There's all sorts of stuff over there from the producer Dojo sensei's. And did I mention it's free? Get on it already. Tesco's Patreon where you can get access to his Discord track feedback, private lessons, and much much more. Uh, the weekly download where you can learn from or Ill Gates and his private weekly group lessons and get access to almost 300 more episodes in the archive for just 20 bucks a month and guest practices where you can learn from seth drake at the approach institute dude is the best engineer we know and your first class over there is for, 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 for free humans check out the humanmusicpodcast.com com find our socials links to our sponsors all that good stuff till next week though peace peace among worlds.